everybody. Welcome to the next episode of Future Focus CXOs. Today, I have a very special guest, Neeraj Patel. He's the Chief Information Officer at Greystone. So without further delay, let me welcome Neeraj to the podcast. Hi, Neeraj. Can you please introduce yourself? Yeah, no, thanks for having And This is exciting topic. We're just in amazing times. And again, as you described it, I've had an interesting career in technology, financial services, and real estate. And it's been an amazing journey. So I'm looking forward to our conversation. So I was fortunate enough to do a five-year program at the university called Temple University. They had an MIS program as well as a finance program as a dual degree. So I did that path, which taught me a little bit of business, a little bit of tech. And it was like the beginning of how I did things. And then obviously everybody, just like myself, got the first job out of college, which was at Unisys. This is amazing. When I was at Unisys, I was a network analyst. Yeah. So I was putting together networks, local area networks, servers, and really hardcore. Mm -hmm. And then I got bored of that job pretty fast. (laughs) You'll find that's a common theme. When I got bored, I decided and I applied for a job at a company called GMAC Mortgage and wound up there. Did a lot of networking work, but had a fast track there. Worked through, went to VP of operations, and then there was a new division opening up and became Mm -hmm. CIO for that division. And that's how I got my CIO chops. And that journey was so fast. To give you a perspective, I graduated uh-huh. college in 1990. By the beginning of 1995, I was CIO. Oh, wow. My God. It's an accelerated path. So talk a little more about it. A lot of people would be really interested, uh, me included, saying that how does somebody get on such an accelerated path? What's the secret? It's so simple. It's so human. Take Mm -hmm. your knowledge. You have to be good at what you do. Take the time to care about what the customer needs are. So internal customer, Mm -hmm. external customer, and be there. So a lot of those big progressions that I had at all the companies that I've been were really Mm -hmm. because I took the time. I was patient. I explained from a business value point of view why you Mm -hmm. use technology, not just technology terms, really simplify it. And that was 90% of the battle, right? Now, you can't control timing. I just happened to be there at the right time. And if that division didn't open up for five more years, I may not have been CIO for five (laughs) more years. But hey, don't worry about what you cannot control. Just worry about what you can. And I got to say, it's that human connection. I had made connections with the CFO, made connections with the head of the trade desk. And Mm -hmm. those leaders became future leaders, CEOs, and they remember you and they're the ones that brought you in. Absolutely. I think you hit a very important point saying that internal relationships are equally important than customer relationships. Many employees I have seen uh, miss that mark, right? They say, I'm good at what I do. I bring in a lot of sales, but they don't spend enough time building internal relationships within the company because that's what makes them successful. A great, extremely good point. Now, I really want to jump into the first question that comes to mind, depending on where you are right now working with Greystone, because you are, a, I believe, private commercial real estate finance and investment company. So talk to me more about what happened or how were you shaken? How did you pivot when suddenly COVID hit and people started vacating the offices right? and thinking about not even having an office going forward? Right. Mm-hmm. And you just touched on something, not only did Greystone have to go through, all organizations had to go through, right? 
how do I use my assets? Sometimes it's capital, sometimes it's real estate, sometimes it's money, all mm -hmm. those in a different manner because of COVID, right? So work from home wasn't pervasive before, after mm -hmm. COVID, it was very pervasive, right? So all of a sudden, all the technology and tool sets that we had learned and implemented were fully mm -hmm. accelerated. Mm. And the ramifications are still being shaped. If you think about how apartments get used today, it's very mm -hmm. different than apartments pre-COVID, right? So if I lived in an apartment in New York, I'd wake up in the morning, leave that apartment at 7 a.m., get to my office, do my work, maybe come back after dinner late. And mm. it was used for that point of view. Or on the weekend, you may have some friends over. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, I'm there. I have to use this. <laughs> place of work. I have to use this with other things. I need better Wi-Fi. I need better infrastructure. I need better lighting like you and I were talking about earlier. Yeah, How better background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what was amazing about COVID was it changed everything. And that was what's amazing. And not just everything, but everything all at once. And that mm -hmm. human connection really became more important than ever. Because people knew, oh, I remember Naraj, or I remember this individual. Oh, I can call them if I need help. Do mm -hmm. I have ideas on what can I do with this new technology? Because everybody had to learn it, and everybody had to adopt it immediately. Oh, yeah. which, which is what was a struggle for most CIOs during that point. And, and one of the things that I know that helped me was mm -hmm. career was not always just be a CIO everywhere. I went both sides of the coin, right? So I was CIO, so I knew what it took to build a shop, implement technology, bring value to the table. But mm -hmm. then I flipped to the startup world. Mm. Yeah, in between roles. And what it taught me was a discipline of when you have to do more things as an individual. In large corporations, you get a role and you play your role and you can sometimes stretch out of that role. But when you do a startup, there is no role. It's everything, right? So <laughs> sometimes you're acquiring a company. Sometimes you're implementing technology. Sometimes you're learning sales. Sometimes you're in front oh, of the yeah. client. And those amazing skill sets help through COVID too. It's, hey, when I talk to the salesperson, I understand what they're going through. Mm -hmm. And I help them and connect with them and see what technologies will work for them. Okay. So did you guys enable any new technologies, added any new technologies, like a virtual tour of the apartments, things like that, what we saw came up more. Talk to me more about what technologies really helped you guys. And this is where I think what's interesting is there's no one silver bullet. It was mm -hmm. a lot all at once, right? Mm -hmm. So do I have digital keys to give people access to the apartment when somebody's not there? Do I have a virtual walkthrough of the apartment when somebody's not there? Do I enable better payments in the system? Greystone's fortunate because we have multiple different divisions and do a lot of different things. Not only do we lend on properties, but we also own, operate, and manage properties, mm -hmm. right? So you get to see it from how on the ground things are happening and what does the customer of that apartment want? And why do I have to worry about Wi-Fi? Why do I need to worry about a second carrier in that building? Do I need a different mm -hmm. alternative for those people? Oh, cell coverage now matters. All of a sudden I'm in the oh, building yeah. calls and <laughs> what do I do differently? And if you had to ask me, was there one silver bullet? No, but I can tell you it was 
the happy meal, right? You know, McDonald's, yeah. the happy meal. You needed a few things to make mm. that experience, that employee experience, that customer experience amazing. Wow. Okay. That's a very great answer. You implemented a happy meal. Right, rather than <laughs> trying to focus on one thing, saying that oh, I do this, I can get out of COVID. No, I need a happy meal. So it's it's that bundling, time. right? We all yeah. bundle yeah. software okay. together. And I grew up in the US, so happy meals were common when we were. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I remember my kids used to try for that happy meal when we used to pass McDonald's. And now, <laughs> like we don't know if it was the toy or the food, but it was all of it. Something, yeah. But I think you touched upon something very important i had that question in my back pocket is about you also had some entrepreneurial experience was it a complete entrepreneurial thing like i left everything and i became a startup talk about something more about that and some of the key learnings and what has made you better in your current role because of that and again, I'll go back to it's multiple things. It's not just one. I was so fortunate to have an amazing mentor as my CEOs that have mentored me throughout all my roles, right? Mm -hmm. And when I first became CIO, it was in a brand new industry. So mm -hmm. commercial mortgage-backed securitization had just started. It wasn't a big industry. It was very niche. So lots of times we had to take on the role of building the product for the industry so I was able to do corporate entrepreneurship within a large enterprise of a division of General Motors. So you were able to create technology. We also used that technology and provided it for the industry because mm -hmm. we knew the industry itself had to grow. We couldn't grow without the industry growing. And those skills that I learned about what it takes to bring value, because if my own internal customers didn't want it, <laughs> I couldn't build a software that anybody would want. But then what happened was when General Motors had problems in 2006, our division was one of the most profitable. So it got sold first. And the private equity shops that bought it did not want all these technology assets. So one of the things I had to do was sell these off. So it taught me how to value to a venture capitalist, how to speak with them, how to help them understand the value prop that is there and what are the future potentials of these software packages. So that corporate beginning helped me with my entrepreneurial beginning because some of those skill sets, do I want to acquire a company? How do I use this capital? What will the venture capitalists think about this? It helped mm -hmm. me with that startup a lot. Mm -hmm. And that actually logically brings me to one of the conversations we were having before this podcast is about the value of mentors in our life, right? And as I said, the primary purpose of me also starting this podcast was to get these mentorship nuggets, right? Golden nuggets that I acquire from talking to senior executives like yourself. So talk to me more about what mentorship has brought to you and Maybe a very big question is why everybody must have a mentor. Yeah. And I want to make sure I preface it. Mentors come in and out of your life all the time. So it's not just one single mentor Correct. that's with you. Mm -hmm. I'm fortunate that they're still there, but they provide me very different advice today versus when I was operating with them. Correct. So I'll have to tell you a story about mm -hmm. when I was CIO at that division. Like all CIOs, you have a massive outage, right? I had a big outage. I run into the CEO. That's who I was to work for. He was my mentor. First thing he says is, what are you doing here? Go fix your problem. I know you got a problem. You don't need to explain anything to me. 
go resolve your problem. So I worked all through the night, the team, everybody got it all resolved. And the next morning he was an early riser and I was an early riser, went into his office and he said, Hey, how can I help you? It wasn't like, how can you have this happen? Mm -hmm. It was a very simple statement. How can I help you? What do you need from me? Do you need more money? Do you need more servers? Do you need more people? I know you don't desire this to happen and I don't desire this to happen. We both have a common goal. You have a skill, I have a skill. What do you need from me? And of course I was like, let me figure that out because I'm just fresh off the issues (laughs) and I need to digest a little bit more. And as I was walking out of his office, I thought about it and I said, wow, what amount of empowerment did I get? Also, I had to take on the accountability of it too. It was like, now I have this ultimate responsibility. I have no constraints. He basically took Mm. all the constraints away and it made me actually a better person because I thought about things a little bit differently now. And I use that today all the time with a lot of my teammates. So when I'm working with teammates, I use that same discipline I learned and it's different today, but the concepts are the same. How do we help Mm. empower people, but also make them feel accountable for that empowerment? Great advice. Yeah, I think you're right. The concept has been that, oh, these are the two mentors I have in my life. It doesn't work that way. A lot of people come and go, right? Some people mentor you with intention. Some people you learn from without intention, right? Without knowing, saying that, oh, I learned something from this person. And I have so many such stories, but you're perfectly right. I think having an open eye for learning You just hit the nail on the head, that open eye and the desire, right? I wanted to learn from that interaction. And it taught me that events happen. It's how we manage those events, how we take accountability for those events, and how do we energize our team to resolve those events is what really makes us win. My next mentor was the person who created the venture capitalist community in the Philadelphia area, Pete Musser, Mm -hmm. and he had bought one of our divisions. And as I was going through that startup, it was great to bounce something off of him because he was an investor. He knew what they thought about. And he taught me all about how to think about interactions, how to think about people. Mm -hmm. And you know what? At the end of the day, all of this stuff wasn't about the technology. It was Mm -hmm. about the value and the people. The technology will come and go. There'll be new ones all the time. But who can take that, apply it, and bring value? And Those lessons are just amazing, right? So as much as we know, there's some cool technology, generative AI, all these wonderful things going on right now. The value will always come in on how we use it, apply it, and get humans to adopt it. Yeah, and that really brings me to my next question, because you are very passionate about AI, machine learning, right? Regenerative AI. So talk a little bit more about your passion. Also, let's get into how this is going to help or hurt right? Or add additional risk on our lives, but it is going to happen. Technology is going to evolve. Nobody can stop it. Let's talk a little bit about artificial intelligence, machine learning. We're all a product of our learnings. And Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to get very early on in using AI, ML, predictive technologies in 2012. I was working with a company that was deploying AI into smart buildings. And you learn how a baselining works. You learn how these engines know how to handle so much data, make a prediction for you, a real-time prediction for you, which was amazing, right? So it's, wow, this is interesting how it works, but you have to learn how to apply it. 
and the value around it. And then my next work after that was with IBM. So I was with mm -hmm. Watson. I got to learn natural language processing, how Watson digests things, how it works, what it means, and also visual, right? So Watson was able to do image analysis and things like that early on. So worked with a lot of customers on different applications of natural language processing, visual technology. And at the same time, the industry is evolving too, right? Predictive analytics was very early on. Natural language processing came a little later, got better. And then image mm -hmm. processing, video processing keeps coming along. And those pieces working together is just amazing. Then I had the good fortune of launching an AI division for a large company. And we started thinking through how to bundle those pieces together and how to create value in that process. So we did the automobile inspection process. How do I have AI on the edge that's taking video data from the car, analyzing it and getting feedback from the mm -hmm. person who's taking the video and being and guiding them through the process instead of doing the process. This is like guiding and working with the human to do that process. And it was amazing. The output was phenomenal. And those disciplines make me a better person and think about how to implement AI with humans. And currently the big fear is, will this take my job? Exactly. I was going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> and all my experience so far has been, it just enables us to be so much better and it works with us. So we have to figure out how we want to work with the technology and get yes. both because the technology gets value from you and you get value from technology. It's bi-directional. It's not like the old days where the software had to be programmed or learned or processed. This one is working with you and it's mm -hmm. kind of learning with you as you're learning too, right? So it's a different thought process, but it's awesome because when we both work together, it's amazing. I think you said it in a very, very unique way. I want to paraphrase it if I may. Because we always, being a technologist and running this company, adoption is a big problem of technology, right? If it's Salesforce or across as a CIO. And many times we say the problem is in the chair, right? Problem is not in the computer, right? So because you have to adopt technology, even though it's built for you, you need a level of adoption, right? From there, that part of building a software for some needs, what you're saying is now with AI, you have to work with them, work with thinking it's a person, right? I'm working with somebody because more I work with you, more it learns, more it helps me. And that's, I think, a mind-blowing mindset change is taking my job and it's going to replace humans and it's going to be a, all those robo-movies where robots start taking over the cities. I think it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So adoption is unique to individuals, right? You can group a bunch of individuals together of like-minded people. So I have a bunch of underwriters that may mm -hmm. do things similarly. But each underwriter is unique in the way they use technology. So we have to think through how do we get that individual excited and make mm. their lives amazing through technology for what they want to use it for instead of what we think they want to use it for. Yeah. It's a big statement. So I always use this example. We have a EV and we've had cars that had assistive technology in driving. Mm -hmm. And I'm a technologist, just like yourself. So we like to try things anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm always like, let's see what it's doing. Let's see how far I can push it. And then I put it on all the time, even when I'm just driving to get some milk. But my wife is the opposite. And in the six years, we've had multiple vehicles that did this. She's never put it on. 
And, okay. And it's okay. But now I always ask her like, oh, let me see how I can have her try it or not try it. And she may never try it, which is perfectly fine. But you know what? She's further ahead on using Snapchat, further ahead oh, yeah. on Instagram than I am. And it's wow. So finding that right use case and helping them with the technology is what we need to do better. If we can do that better, I think we're going to find adoption is a lot better. It's not, hey, I'm going to make this robot and help you underwrite. It should be, you know what? Which is the most pain point in underwriting? Oh, I don't want to do this property now. So let's get that done for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they get excited. It's something they hate to do or something that is meaningful to them. Obviously, my wife uses those channels to communicate with our kids. That's the rationale. And that's why she does it. And no fear of using new technology. It was just the right value and use case. Oh, yeah. I think you said it very nicely. Adoption is for an individual. Right. So we create a persona and we say sales persona. Everybody should behave like this. It doesn't work that way. That's a very good insight. So finally, Neeraj, let me ask you, you got a very accelerated path to a CIO. There are many aspiring CIOs who would be listening to us. So give some advice in terms of how do you progress your career? Summarize it. You said a lot in the last 30, 40 minutes, but summarize it saying that what advice would you give to upcoming CXOs? It's quite simple. First, be human, make connections, not just connections, true relationships, really Mm -hmm. work with people. And when events happen and opportunities come about to bring value, always raise your hand and do an amazing job. And Mm -hmm. don't do it in a vacuum, be communicative, do different things. If you stick with that, it's awesome. Now, I'm not saying this replaces that you don't know technology. You need to know technology. Those are just things. You need mm-hmm. to know that stuff and you need to know how to work with those things. And as you know that, the next layer of getting to the sea level is always around that, mm-hmm. expanding that. And don't just do it internally, do it externally, do it to the next generation. I take a lot of time Not only do I mentor college kids, I'm getting mentored with other people. So it's a combination. I love speaking at college courses. So I speak when classes happen on a topic and I always learn something else because how those people use technology only makes me better. So be open to that. Don't just think you got your day job. You really have to look at it holistically and all those Mm. pieces make you a better person and make you more viable for that role. Wow, such a nice advice. I, this is something very unique you said, because I always keep telling myself and a lot of people around me saying that, because people say, oh, you get business because you have good connections. I keep telling them it is not about whom I know. It is about who knows me. And that's the real relationship you talk about. Saying that, oh, this problem I have, who can help me? Ting, ting, this guy can help me. That can only happen not by presenting a deck. And I don't even have a company deck. It is so surprising to know, right? But all of these relationships, what really drives that value? Such a great advice on career. Be human, make connections, real relationships, right? Whenever opportunity presents itself, raise your hand, right? Do an awesome job about it, right? Be communicative. Don't go in a corner and start working, thinking everybody will know what you're doing. <laughs> and I believe finally, right, look at your career in a holistic way, right? Don't just look at it as a job. So yeah, great pieces you know, of advice. 
Yeah. But thank you, Neeraj. This was like amazing discussion. I loved speaking with you. Very insightful. I'm sure the audience will love it. I want to formally thank you for spending time with me today. No, thank you for giving me time to tell my story. And the world is amazing. The time is amazing right now. So many new technologies, a lot of confusion. We all have to figure out how to apply it, use it, and get it adopted. I remember this is no different than the dot-com days. So much change, so much foundational technology change that has amazing impact for the next five to 10 years. Yeah. Be curious, go after it. Be curious Be and curious. go after it. Oh, thank you so much. It was nice talking to you. Have a nice weekend.